It is good to see so many here this morning. It's good to be here to uh, worship God. And uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I did wonder, oh, I've never noticed this before, but I've kind of thought about it. I don't know about the song before the sermon that starts up, if the skies above you are gray and you are feeling so blue. Uh, I, I, I just put two and two together with that just, uh, just a minute ago, but I'm sure it has nothing to do uh, with the lesson. But uh, we uh, have been in First John for quite some time. If you were paying attention last week, then you know what number sermon this is this week. And so last week was 11, so, you know, let's take a guess. That probably means that this week is 12. All right, very good. Some of us are awake and can, and can do a little, little math. Uh, but uh, John does not have us wondering as to why he wrote the book. In fact, go ahead. He, uh, he tells us very clearly in chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, We write this to make our or your joy complete. John wants us to have joy in our lives. And so he writes a letter that is going to inspire joy. In chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That's important. He goes on to say, now, if you do sin, we have an advocate. But he said, I'm writing this to you so that you don't sin. And then a little later on in chapter 2, he says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And there were those false teachers that we've talked about. And and then ultimately, I think if you you had to ask John, okay, you only pick one reason. You only pick one. I think this would be it. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I want you to know that you have salvation. I want you to be sure of your relationship and your fellowship with God. I don't want you to be wondering minute to minute and day to day and hour to hour. Am I saved? Am I not saved? I want you to be assured of your salvation. And then we, there were about four things that we learned were, that matters as we began our study. He talks all, he begins that doctrine matters. We talked about this. I know, I know. Some of you are thinking, are we going to do this every time? Yep. So just get that out of your mind right now. My high school kids know we've been in 1 Corinthians and we, we've talked about the three reasons Paul wrote 1 Corinthians for months now. And we've talked about the 10 things that divided the church at Corinth. They almost have all 10 of them. So, yes, we are. Doctrine matters. What you believe matters. Holiness matters. How you live your life. And this is in direct conflict with those false teachers. Because they were saying, ooh, there's some special knowledge, you see. Some special knowledge that the rest of you, you know, you people don't have the relationship with God I have. You people aren't as special as I am. And I know some things that you don't know. And I'm superior to you. And I may even teach you some things that go beyond the word of God. And John says, no, doctrine matters. What you believe matters. How you live your life matters. You can't say that you love God and live any old way you want to. That's just crazy. It doesn't work that way. And then he says that love matters. We've hinted at it and we're going to get into it this morning. Love matters. And then he says, as we talked about, confidence matters. God wants us to be confident in our salvation. 
So he's been laying the groundwork of love in chapter two and chapter three, especially that verse one. I love that verse. You know, how great is the love that the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. But then he goes on how to talk about how that not only does God lavish his love on us, but we must love one another. Which brings us to our ultimate lesson on love this morning. So in chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, I encourage you to read along. Although I know all of you have read 1 John this week. And you've been reading it for however many weeks we've been doing. 12 sermons, but more weeks. Because, you know, Mark's preached a few times. We had a So anyway, you should almost have it memorized by now, right? You're pretty close. Pretty close, I know you are. First John chapter 4 verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have life through it, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And then skip to the middle of verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but love drives out. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. There are lots of lessons in these verses. And when we start at 1 John, my guess is if you if you hadn't really read 1 John before, and I said, well, we're going to study 1 John. My guess is the, the verses that you knew in 1 John were chapter 1 and verse 7. If we are walking in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. We, 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 we knew that one. And the others probably came out of these verses. God is love. You can't, how can you say you love whom you've not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? Well, those are verses that we are familiar with and there's many lessons. And there may be more than one sermon out of here. Just let you know, depends how good you listen. Whether or not, you know, we may have to go back. But I want to do a little overview and I wanted to ask ourselves a question. Why should we love one another? And you may be thinking to yourself, well, that's a dumb question. Well, it is, isn't it? It is kind of a dumb question. But John gives us some very specific reasons in these verses why we should love one another. And the first thing he says is we love because we know the God 
Who is love? Look at 7 and 8 again. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, those of us who remember Norman, how many times, lots of times it was at a funeral, but sometimes it was in in a sermon. How many times did we hear Norman say that it cannot be said, and I'm going to try to do this justice, it cannot be said of any of us that we are love. We love. We have the capacity to love. We may even be really good at loving. But it is never going to be said of any of us that we are love. But that is the very nature of God. God is love. It's one of those attributes and characteristics of God. He is faithful. He is all powerful. He is merciful. He is patient. He is light. He is just. And he is love. And because God is love and we are in fellowship with him. And we are knowing him better every day, right? That's our, we're, we're knowing God better every day. That's our, that's our goal. That's our, that's our relationship. We're becoming closer and closer in our fellowship with him. The closer we become to God, the more he's going to rub off on us. And since God is love, well, we're going to love more. We're going to be more loving because his characteristics, his attributes begin to show in our lives. Now, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit in another one of these points. But we love because we know the God who is love. You know, you look back and think about the the. The Roman and Greek gods of, you know, mythology and, and all those kinds of things. And you see that, you know, those gods, many of them were not anything about love. They were, they were very vengeful. They were very angry. They were very uh, self-centered and selfish. And the people kind of reflected that. When we know the God who is love then we can't help but loving ourselves. Secondly, he says, we love because God loves us. Well, that seems fairly simple, but look at verse 10. This is love. You want a definition of love? This is it. Definition of love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think maybe sometimes we kind of get the idea that it all kind of starts when we love God. That's when I finally come to the realization and I and I decide that I am going to love God and I'm gonna turn my life over him. That's kind of where, where it all begins. And you know, we like that. 
Know why we like that? Because it makes us feel good. We have a little something we can be proud of. A little something that we can hang our hat on. Look at me. I love God. John says, oh. Oh, that's, that's not where love starts. That's not what love is. Love is not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. That's where we really begin to see love. And that God loved us. Well, what's so special about that? Because God loved us when we were totally unlovable. When we were nothing. You remember that verse in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 where it says, now God demonstrates. I love the, 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 the verb there. It's not past tense. It's present progressive. Ooh, you're pretty impressed with that. I made it up, so I don't know if it's real, real or not, but you know, it means it keeps going. God demonstrates, he keeps demonstrating his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't say, okay, you nasty, stinky sinner people. You fix yourselves up. You make yourself presentable. And then I will love you. Uh, no. While we were still sinners for us, while we were still mired in the mulk and filth and of sin, while we were objects of God's wrath, that's when he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son. For God so loved the Christians. That's not what it says. For God so loved those who love him. That's not what it says. For God so loved those who have cleaned their lives up and present themselves to him presentable. God so loved the world. The world and all its sin. The world and all its darkness. The world and, and, and all the evil that we see. For God so loved that world. By the way, that world, that's you and me. In case you were thinking it was that world, no. No. We were part of that world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why do we love? We love because God has first loved us. And the extent of that love was manifest in sending his one and only son as a sacrifice for our sins. You know, I can say, I love y'all, right? I love y'all. But I don't know how many of you in here I would sacrifice one of my children for. If you're thinking, is it you? No, it probably isn't. (laughs) Hmm. 
I doubt it. But God loved each one of us so much that he sent his one and only son. How many times has the preacher asked you to do this? Talking about that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. How many times have you heard the preacher say to take out the part God so loved the world and put your name in it? And if I, I believe this with all my heart. If you were the only sinner in the world. If the rest of mankind was perfect. Never sinned. Never needed the sacrifice of Jesus. And you were the one person who sinned. He would have sent his son. Because that's how much he loves us. Not just us. But me. That's how much he loves me. His love is greater than our sin. His love is greater than our guilt. He has lavished his love on us and calls us his children. And his love is always welcoming. Thirdly, we see we love because God lives in us and us in him. Look at verse 16. And we, and so we know and rely on the, on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. We, if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, if we are being led by the spirit, if God is in us, we will love one another. Remember that John in his, in his, in his, Gospel records Jesus saying on that night after he'd washed the disciples' feet, this new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. And then he goes on and talking about in chapter 15, he goes on to talk about abiding in him, the vine and the branches. When we love, we love because God is in us and our love is in each other. It's not a suggestion. I don't know if you noticed through here. He does not say, well, it'd be nice if you loved each other. Uh, you need to kind of work on it a little bit, loving each other. But it's a good goal, but, you know, if you don't achieve it, it's no big deal. John says, oh, you have to love one another. It is not an option. It is a command. It is an absolute necessity that we love one another. Now, you know what that tells me? And this is important. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. When God commands something, it's because it is a choice. You see, we live in a world and a society, you know, we use love so many different ways. And we talk about, you know, oh, fall in and out of love. And when we were doing the dating class, we were talking about, you know, my soulmate, you know, oh, I just fell in line, you know, and, and, and it's, it, there's nothing, nothing I can do about it. It just, it just slapped me in the face. And maybe if we're talking romance or whatever, I don't, you know. But God commands us to love. That means I have a choice. 
That means, Chuck, even though I may not even like you, even though you do those things that just irritate me, like wear those orange shirts, you know, even if you and I disagree on this or that or whatever, and in and of itself, there would be absolutely no reason for me to love you. I can choose to love you. I do anyway. Exactly. That's right. I can choose to love you. You see, love is more than a feeling. Again, go back to our love is a mirror of God's love, right? We were unlovable when God chose to love us. Wasn't that God's whole experience with Israel in the Old Testament? How many times did God say to Israel, you are my chosen people. But I didn't choose you because you were the best of the people. I didn't choose you because you were the greatest of the people. There were other nations out there that were more choosable. But I chose you. And we choose to love each other because God is in us and we are in him. Fourthly, we love because we are God's love. What? Well, look at verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. When I'm dealing with young people, you know, when it has something like that, you know, I say, okay, what does that mean? Okay, go up, 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 up. Go up a few verses. What are you talking about? We are in this world and we are like him. Who him? God. Like him how? What's he been talking about? Love. How are the people out there in the world going to find out about God's love? They're going to do it. Well, there may be those few who just pick up a Bible one day and start reading and learn about God's love. There may be those who've never heard a sermon or anything like that. And maybe they walk in here cold off the street and they hear a sermon about God's love. But the majority of the people are going to learn about God's love Because we are demonstrating God's love in our lives. That's how they're going to know. Remember again in John 13. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. We are God's love in the world. We are his representation. We are in a sense. The second Incarnation. You remember, we, we, that word incarnation is what is used to describe 
the birth of Jesus, God becoming flesh, like in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That whole process where God is living in a body, where God has flesh, the technical word is called the incarnation. God in a body. We are also an incarnation. God is living through us. God is in another kind of body that is his church, his people. And as we go out in the world, we are demonstrating God's love. We are showing people God's love. And so we act differently. We talk differently. We treat people differently. And at some point in time, people are going to notice. Some of them may laugh us off. Some of them may ridicule us. But others are going to say, what is up with you? How can you love that co-worker who treats you so poorly and talks so bad about you? How can you treat him well? How can you love him? Because of the love I've received from God. Because God loved me when I was unlovable. Let me tell you about God's love. Let me tell you how much God loves you. And we have the opportunity to share with them that. How we treat and act and speak to others. Do they see God's love being manifested in our lives? And fifthly, we love because we love God. 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. It is very simple. Very clear. If we love God, we love each other. And... You can go negative, whatever way you want to. But if you don't love each other, if we do not love one another, we do not love God. He said, if you say that, if you say you love God and you hate your brother or sister, you are a, you're just, you're not a nice person. You're a liar. You're a liar. You say you love God and you don't love your brothers and sisters. You're a liar. Whew. That's, man, that's pretty tough, isn't it? But that's how important this is to God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. How do we demonstrate our love for God? You want to prove you love God? You love your brothers and sisters. There's other ways too. But you can't not love your brother and sister and love God. You've got to love one another. He emphatically says that our love for one another is our demonstration of our love for God. God is love. God has first loved us by sending his son to die on a cross for us. God has lavished his love on us that we should be called children of God. But if we really have taken that love to heart, 
then we are going to love one another as God has loved us. If you're here this morning and you've never really experienced God's love, you've never been called a child as his, you've never professed your faith in him, been buried with him in baptism, walk a new life in the light as he is in the light. Or if there's some way we can help or encourage you this morning, we invite you to come down as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D. C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 818- West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.